You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.vin. Good morning. Good morning, everybody, especially those of you that are joining us online this morning uh, from here at Central And again, just a big welcome to everybody in the room as well. Um, For those of you that are quite new uh, and visiting and um, around the life of our church, at the moment we're kind of doing a series in the book of James. And so we want to like like continue in that this morning. Now, some of you know me quite well. Some of you will get to know me. and, uh, and, And you'll realize that I absolutely love a good story. Um, I was, uh, and, and especially stories that surprise you. So I've been reading recently just a, a couple of little excerpts from different things where I, fa- where, where I heard about uh, a number of people who discovered that they actually had something completely priceless in their possession but didn't realize they had it. And so this guy, he goes up into his attic and finds an original Nintendo kind of PlayStation, one of the original ones, stuck it out there on eBay, nine grand. Some of you are like, I am going to have to dig around. You've got one in a box. Wow, there you go. (laughs) It could be worth 9,000 pounds. Honestly, that was not a setup, I promise. And then I heard about this this, uh, granddad. He'd bought, in 1956, he'd walked into one of these little shops, um, kind of like, uh, I don't know, and and he'd come across a chess piece in this shop. He thought, that looks really unusual. So he buys the chess piece for about a pound 50, okay, but it's 1956, so you know, that's a reasonable amount. Turns out, this chess piece belongs to a set that was discovered on the Isle of Lewis about, I don't know, about, I think it was about six or seven years ago, it's worth 1.2 million quid. Not a bad investment, eh? He didn't have a clue. Priceless. And then finally, this one I love. A French lady um, was decided to downsize uh, her house. And so she brings in the evaluators just to look at her property and all the things. They discover a uh, priceless painting above her hot plate in the kitchen. A Florentine master. 22.2 million quid. Absolutely priceless. Didn't even realize she had it in her possession. Stuck over the stove. Wow. Like in this um, series in the book of James, James is all about wanting to bring out, encourage authenticity. The reason why those items were absolutely priceless was because they were the authentic item. They were the originals. And as we look at the book of James, all the way through it, he's, the posture of this book is, I want you to discover 
the pricelessness of what it means to be authentic. Not necessarily perfect, but authentic. An authentic faith is, faith is a faith that it has transparency and integrity. In fact, actually, you know what? If I stood up here and said, I think I'm quite an authentic person, you'd be like, authenticity is not defined by me, but it's defined by you. It's defined by others, what they see in you, what, you know, how their lives are and how it really genuinely affects other people. And so the posture of this whole uh, uh, book is, come on, authenticity. Do you know what? In a world of fake, in a world of Instagram profiling, in a world that so often we want to project something out there that's not really us or not really real. James wants to challenge all of that and go, hey, in a cynical world, authenticity is powerful. In fact, it might be that being authentic is the number one characteristic or evidence of being a follower of Jesus. Like, and I just want to say that I'm preaching to me as much as to you this morning. I want to be more authentic. I want my posture of my life to, to be more congruent with Christ. I want my belief to be more at work in my doing. Do you know what I mean? And when you're around people who are really authentic, you feel it, don't you? You're like, there is something quite viscerally powerful about their lives. That it matches up. And so James is quite challenging, but I think I want to say this morning and sort of prefix what, where we're going is that there is a deep encouragement. Come on, people, you know, come on, let's be more authentic. Let's help each other be more authentic. Dave did a brilliant, Dave Hall was here uh, last week and you might have already looked at it online, but he, he said, hey, authentic Christianity perseveres. He says a mark of it is that, yes, we don't go looking for suffering, but suffering is a part of life, isn't it? We get ill. Things don't always work out the way that we want. Do we just drop it? Do we just walk away? No, he's like, no, the posture of a committed follower of Jesus is we're going to persevere and push through and ask the question, what is Jesus teaching us in this? Brilliant talk. If you haven't listened to it, please go and have a listen to that because it sets up this morning a little bit. Because he, he talks about perseverance and what we're going to look at today is how we listen and then how do we respond. How does listening shape our engagement? And so if you've got a Bible, it's going to come up on the screen as well. We're in James chapter 1 and we're going to read from... Uh, Verse 19, we're not going to be able to cover all of this, but we'll just pick a few things out, hopefully, this morning. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which will save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror 
and after looking at himself or herself, goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed. See the promise in there. We're going to look at that. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God and our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Wow. It is a bit of a hard-hitting kind of passage, isn't it? I feel like, whoo, I've just had a shadow box moment, you know. Because there's something in there for all of us. You know, when you read a passage like this, you know, and, uh, and for our own kind of Bible study, if you want to know what a passage is really getting at, there's something really simple. Count the repeated words. <laughs> just simple. I have to keep it simple because I'm a little bit simple. Four times James is saying this word, listen. Authenticity. An authentic faith puts listening right at the core, right at the heart. The posture that we should have is one of listening. And that listening, as we're going to find, is a listening that is not only just vertical, but also horizontal as well. And they're definitely connected uh, and intrinsically feed off one another. We're called to be a people that listen. There's a vertical and there's a horizontal. Jesus said, the greatest of the commands are these. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> there is always going to be for us as Christians and followers, to love God means this is going to be also an impact horizontally across our relationships and our socializing and our engagement with the world. You can't have a love of God without a love of people. And so he wants to really bring this listening into the horizontal and the vertical. And look at it. So there's like, uh, there's a direction thing in the passage. Do you feel that in the passage? But there's also a rhythm in the passage. Do you spot it? There's two kind of rhythms. I'm a rubbish dancer. But it says, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. There's a quick, slow, slow. There's a quick, slow. Slow. You're never going to be able to read this ever again without seeing that. I mean, I, supposedly you're supposed to, you know, when you preach, hang, give people visual images to hang things on. From now on in, quick, slow. <laughs> My wife's already going, stop. And then there's the Listen, do, listen, up, do. There's an up and an out and an up and an out. So we've got a quick, slow, 
slow, and then up and out, and up and out. You're all looking at me like, oh dear. But can you see the rhythm? And that's kind of what I want to talk to you, all of us uh, this morning really about. Authentic faith puts listening right at the heart. The posture of a follower of Jesus ultimately is going to become is someone that not only listens up, but we say, see there, they listen to others. And if we listen to others, it means we value others. And at times, it's going to re- require us to push against the desire to speak and even to get angry. That the listening of the person that we're conversing with, as we open up and listen to them, we're going to get a bigger picture of what's actually going on. And it's going to shape how we respond. Think about Jesus for a few minutes. For those of us that have investigated and come to love and know him, Jesus was a remarkable listener. We see in the rhythm of Jesus' life, often he nicked off into solitary moments. Why? Because he wanted to listen up to the Father. I only do what I see the Father doing. That's what the Gospels say on a number of occasions. Jesus' life and action and responses were shaped by how he listened to his Father in heaven. But also, as you work your way through the Gospels, it's amazing. It's like Jesus listens to people when they come to him. He listens not only to what they're saying, but it's almost like he's listening between the lines and he's reading what's going on in people's lives. It's almost like... He's reading their letter, their, 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 the, you know, the stuff that other people can't see. He sees it. Shaped by listening. I read a line from a book that talked of uh, one of Nelson Mandela's wonderful traits uh, that he learned from his dad. Uh, his father, who was a tribal king, he said, Dad would gather the elders, and invariably, he was the last person in the room to speak. Why? Because Nelson Mandela said, My father wanted to be a considered listener, to make a considered response. Hmm. I think what James is getting at here is authentic faith starts to become a considered life. We, we begin to listen well and respond out of that. You know, I think all of us, when we read a passage like this, can go, oh my goodness, how many times have I said something out of a place of frustration or out of a place of pain, you know, um, and, and, and those words, don't they? When those they words come out. <laughs> Ooh. I remember uh, some of you know this, but some of you may not. There's a, a charity in Aberdeen called Street Pastors that I used to be a part of. And we would go out onto the streets, and they do that even now in the evening economy. Their headline, if you like, is listening, caring, helping. 
And I love that listening is right at the forefront. Because they want to be Christians that don't just come with an agenda, but they come with a heart to hear where people are at. I, I had this one moment where two of us were walking up Union Street one night. This is over 10 years ago. It was a cold night. And in the distance, I saw a young guy who looked really angry. And actually, it looked like, at first glance, he was incredibly angry and aggressive towards a girl, which we presumed was his girlfriend. And there was people beginning to mill around, and you could see anger beginning to brew in the situation. As we approached, I quickly realized this man, this young guy, wasn't not only just angry, but he was actually really upset. He had tears flowing down his face. And actually, as you got closer and closer, began to listen to what he was saying, he wasn't really angry at his girlfriend. He was actually angry at somebody else. What had happened as we got there and we began to converse and say, hey, listen, just tell us what, what's going on in your life. What, what's happened? He said, I'm really angry at the mum. I said, whoa, <laughs> what happened? He said, she died last week. So why are you angry at mum? Well, she had cancer and never told us until it was too late. And this young man was just seething with frustration, anger, and grief. But what we saw was the pain of that. And when you looked at it from the outside, it looked like X, but actually it was Y. And we learned that night as we listened to this young man, we had the opportunity to diffuse not only the situation, but to pray with him and actually do something practical and get him home. James, when it comes to listening, is like, we want to be a considered people, a people that listen. Let's be quick, slow, slow, quick, slow, slow. I mean, that, I think, is a great life hack. Can we make a reel on there, stick it out there on Instagram? Because I know this, when I operate with a quick, slow, slow, I avoid a whole load of heartache and a lot of groveling. It's true, isn't it? Like, I think this is a brilliant practical example of a principle. We call it in the church a kingdom principle that affects all of us. Whether you're a Christian or a follower of Jesus or not, this is brilliant when it comes to relationships and communication. Why? Because Jesus lives truthful stuff. He brings truth. He says, quick, slow, slow. It's a brilliant way of engaging with one another and avoiding Lots of groveling. And so here is James really, really encouraging us. You know, and, it, get, and, then, and, then, and then into that, there's this vertical rhythm as well. Verse 22. Don't just listen, do. Don't just glance and forget, but look intently. So suddenly when I'm reading that passage, now the listen is like a longer listen, isn't it? It's a more intentional listen. It's a listen. That takes time. That takes effort and energy and intentionality. Listen up. Let's hang in that up for a bit. What does it say there? Look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. And those that continue in it, 
In other words, those that don't just hear it, but put it into action, will benefit. You will be blessed in all you do. I love that. Like, who doesn't want to be blessed? Like, what are we getting at there? That word blessed means to come under divine favor. We have a bit of a joke in our house and across our extended family, in particular with my brother-in-law, because every so often he goes, I'm in his favor, you know, like this. And because it feels like his life is blessed and some things are working out well. I don't know about you, I want to be a blessed person. Now, I'm not a formulaic guy. And I think, you know, being a Christian isn't really formulaic. But saying that, there seems to be a bit of a formula in here. Listen plus doing equals blessed life. Like I, like I said, this stuff has got to be simple for me. <laughs> like if there was the formula for life, like fullness of life, an adventure of life, we want eternal life equals listen plus do. The promise is there. There's a recipe here for something amazing. Bake Off. Who likes a bit of Bake Off? Oh, yeah. And it's not just the ladies. A couple of hands are going up there. I mean, let's just apply this rule of thumb. What's her name? Mary Berry? No, Prue. It's Prue, isn't it now? Who run, you know. If you want Prue's perfect cake, you're going to take Prue's recipe and you're going to follow it, aren't you? And the likelihood is this, is when you use that amount of eggs, that particular flour, you mix it in that way and you bake it for a certain amount of time, you're almost guaranteed to get the perfect cake. But we often don't apply the recipe of what we see here to our own lives. Jesus is simply saying, if you listen to me and do what I say, you will be blessed. So the challenge of this passage is this. Don't stay in theory. Don't stay on the page. The challenge, for, you know, we want the blessings of life and the fullness of life, but it means some kind of action has to happen. When I was in my fourth year at art school, I know that's hard to believe, hippie, long-haired art school, many, many moons ago, 30 years, <clears throat> I, I remember sitting up late at night in my bed. I had my sketchbooks out. I had my whole year ahead. It's my final year. I needed to come up with a whole bunch of designs. And I had a moment, what I call, um, a couple of hours of flow, of fizz. My sister's a coach. She says, James, where's your fizz? In other words, when you get an idea and suddenly as you start to 
kind of begin to draw and design and ideas start to come and creativity starts to flow. Four hours just between 11 and 3 in the morning. Remember I was saying I was an art student. There used to be a joke in there. What do art students do in the afternoon? Open up the other curtain? <laughs> do you know what I mean? But here's the thing. So I suddenly had all of this amazing ideas on the page and, you know, what I was going to do. But there was theory. None of it became reality until I walked into the workshop at Gray's and began to shape metal and, 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 and uh, put glass into the kilns because that's what I did. I did a whole load of lighting things and I made a big t uh, a coffee table and I, you know, I pushed the boat out and all of that stuff. But none of my designs in my sketchbook would have become a reality unless I had done something with them. This is what James is getting at. He says, don't just listen. Don't just hear. That's like real listening and real hearing of God will cause action. In fact, you go through the plus, don't you? You move through something and into something for it to become live in your life. In other words, belief on the page of the sketchbook is only just written belief. A belief that's alive has to come off the sketchbook and suddenly be employed around people's lives. And that takes trust. That's kind of what James is trying to get out with us here. Don't leave belief on the sketchbook. Move. Respond. Act on it. Because when it's practiced, then you begin to experience the promise. I love that. And so what is he saying here? He's saying, look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continue in it. What is he getting at? Well, what James is getting at here is the, the life of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus is the perfect law, is the perfect formula for life. He's the embodiment of the perfect recipe to have a full life in this world and the one to come. Why on earth wouldn't I apply that recipe? Like, I, it's interesting, isn't it? Again, I'm not a formulaic person, but I'm beginning to see something here. If if a great recipe produces an amazing cake, and I've got friends in the gym who absolutely swear by a couple of PT instructors online. They're like, you follow this particular person, your life is going to change. You're going to look with a body like mine. You know, they, they, and what do they do? They take the exercises that, they're being, that are out there, they apply it with the diet that the guys have been telling them about. They put the two and two together. That means they're going to actually have to do something with it. But the result or the promise is that body is being reshaped. Jesus is saying, I'll not only reshape your physicality, but I want to reshape your inner world. Just fascinating. 
And so into this, I want to just encourage all of us, let's not leave belief on the page. Let's listen, do. Let's listen and respond. Quick, slow, slow. Listen up, do. Listen up, do. You get it? Brilliant. Thanks, guys. <laughs> and, and I think sometimes just to say, and we'll wrap up, we're going to come in into land in a minute. Like, why wouldn't we want to apply the recipe? The reality is this. <laughs> the cake is too tasty. Sometimes we've got the instructions, but when they bring cake out at staff, you want a piece, don't you? And the reality is, following the Jesus instructions does actually take discipline. It does actually cost us. It costs us to make a decision, either not to or to add to. You know, we want a life that's free. Yeah? He says, I'll tell you what the number one thing you need to put into that? Forgiveness. Oh. I don't want my, like, none of us want our past, do we, to rule our lives, to live in the past. So what does he say? You want a free life. You want a life without the pain, without the bitterness. What do you do? Add forgiveness. And we could just literally go through Jesus' teaching and come up with, and this is the thing, students who are in the room. Have we got any mathematicians in the room? Mrs. Turner has some maths background. Here's the deal. Ah, yes, there you go. This is, the, this is the challenge this week. Could you look at the Gospels and come up with, you know, some simple formula for me around Jesus' teaching? What does it look like? That would be amazing, wouldn't it? A whole bunch of little formulas around life. This is the Jesus formula for life. I'd love it if you did that. Could you send them in on email? If you're listening online, that would be amazing. Okay. And then let's just land on this little, last little bit from 26 onwards. It says this, you know, G, uh, James is now summarizing what he's already said about the vertical and the horizontal. And he says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves. So again, he's saying true, authentic religion is going to affect not now our speech. And he said, really, not just our speech, but where you're going to find authentic faith. You're going to find authentic faith around those that have experienced lost or lostness. He says, to serve widows and orphans. Authentic faith draws us towards people who've had pain in their life. If you did a percentage thing on the life of Jesus, you'd find that a huge percentage of his life was found on the margins around people that had experienced loss. How, do we, how does the world know that we are really followers of Jesus? I think what James is getting at is the evidence will be seen in how we respond, how we consider how we listen. It's going to, it's the, the evidence is going to be found in actually our lives are way more in line with Jesus's. And we're actually 
trying on his teachings. Literally, I mean, I put my nice jacket on today because I thought, mm, but I want you, you know, for, for lots of us, we can't leave, it's, it's, we, can't, we shouldn't leave the jacket of Jesus in the cupboard. We need to put it on. Try it. Actually, just try it. It's hard to forgive. But when we do it, it something happens. And something is unlocked. And then he just lands here. The other evidence of an authentic faith is that we're going to be around some people who've had pain. And we're going to befriend them and love them and actually listen and learn from them. And our lives will be different. And so I really want to encourage us this morning to employ the Jesus recipe. And as we go into this week, just for, and into our friendships, into our marriages, into, you know, our working environments, that hack, that life hack of quick to listen, slow to anger, or slow to speak, you know, let's allow that to sink in, and let's just try it. You, again, just want to say, you might be listening, and you might not be a Christian, I think this is a great principle for us to just apply in life. And, and, and just see what kind of evidence comes from it in your management teach, it, moments at work or, you know, um, in the street or on the bus. I don't know where you find yourself. Let's think quick, slow, slow. And then let's make room for the listen up. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make a moment this week where I'm going to listen up to what God's saying. Maybe for some of us, we've not picked up this book for a while. I'm going to listen up. What are you saying, God? And you might highlight something. You're going to like, ah, okay, I'm going to, this week, that is the one thing I'm going to do. All right? Well, bless you. Why don't we stand? I'm going to pray, and, um, and then the guys online are going to click off. But let us pray for you this morning and for me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words of wisdom. Lord Jesus, would you stir us, quicken this stuff into our lives. But we don't want to just be religious kind of people. We want to be people who are always being shaped, always listening to you, to be a people that listen to one another, respond accordingly. We ask Holy Spirit, even now as we stand here, some of us will be like, oh, I want to be a listener, a better listener to you and to others. And so we ask Holy Spirit, enable us Give us sensitivity this week. And maybe for a few of us, we just know we've jumped the gun. We've said something this week and we've got regret. For those, we just ask, Lord, that you would, as they bring that to you right now, release forgiveness. Give them courage to go and to speak to that person. Apologize. Put it right. Draw a line in the sand. 
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.